Acts chapter 4, be looking at and reading through verses 32 through 37. It's kind of a snapshot into the early church, the first century church. The author is Luke, and um, he was a follower of Jesus, hung out with the Apostle Paul quite a bit, and he records for us really in the book of Acts the first 30 years of the first century church movement. And so what we see here is kind of a snapshot of his description of what those early church disciples, what they were like, how they lived. And so we pick it up in verse 32 of chapter 4, and he says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Don't miss that. No one said... This is my house. It's my car. It's my stuff. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. Don't miss it. Not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. And then thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. What's he do? He sells a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. When I look at the first century church, when I look at those early disciples, I see a community of Jesus followers who were all in together. They were all in together. This morning we start a three-week series, as it was shared earlier, a first century church for the 21st century. And I'm going to unpack that over the next two Sundays following today. And I'll be sharing with you, why do we need, why why does our culture need something like the first century church? And then how do we as a church, specifically living church, intend to be that kind of church? And and the last Sunday of this month, I'm excited, I'll be sharing with you a little bit more specifically what that's going to look like for us, some of the things we're going to incorporate into our year, some of the things we'll be teaching during our Sunday gatherings. Um, And so I'll share that with you in the coming weeks. But This morning, I want to get in front of this statement a little bit, a first century church for the 21st century, because I think we need to ask and answer a couple critical questions when it comes to church. And the first question is this, is what is church? What is the church? But I think really maybe the more critical question is why bother? (laughs) I mean, and I'll just ask you, why why on earth did you bother to get up and be with the church this morning? Why aren't you sleeping in? I mean, I was out in the park this morning praying and going over things. I see guys fishing. Why am I not there? Why am I not fishing? I mean, why, why am I here? Why are you here? I mean, some of you, you bothered to even get your kids out of bed and go through the screaming and whatever it might have been and the craziness to get them here, to be with the church. Why? Why on earth? Is that important? 
Why is it important for you to just gather with the church? Whether that's on a Sunday, whether that's on a Saturday night or a Friday with your living community. Why is being with the church so necessary? Why, even, why is it even necessary to be all in when it comes to the church? I mean, church is hard. And I, if I'm brutally honest, there are days as a pastor, there are Sundays as a pastor when I'd much, how do I say this? I just would rather be somewhere else. I mean, to me, if I'm honest, it's hard work. Church is an effort to be here. There there are days maybe when I'd be like, you know what? A coffee outside with my wife at a park someplace on a Sunday morning sounds really, really good. Right? Or bagels with my kids, a Panera, whatever, those kinds of things. Or living community. It's hard to host a house church. It's hard. Curling it up or kids, hey, you go vacuum down. I mean, it's hard. Why? Why make the effort? Why bother with all of that? And why be all in? Before I get to that question and that answer, I want to answer the first question, which is, what is church? And go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be looking at several passages this morning. Matthew chapter 16. If we want to know what the church is, we need to go to the person who founded the church who is Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he speaks specifically to one of those disciples. His name is Peter. And in verse 18, Jesus says these words to Peter. He says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, and I believe he's specifically referring to the statement that Peter made that Jesus is the Christ. He's the foundation. He's not only the founder of the church, he's the foundation of the church. We read that in Ephesians 2.20. But he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, who me, Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now let me get a little geeky with you when it comes to the Bible and the New Testament and language, in the sense of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And the word that Jesus uses here for church is a word called ekklesia. And that literally means called out ones. It's called out ones. And in that culture, it would refer to maybe people being called out of their homes into the public place for specific mission, for specific purpose. And so when Jesus says, I will build my church, he's saying, I have a a community of people that I'm calling out for myself who I am going to send out on a mission, which is my mission. And so when he's talking about church, he's not talking about the individual. He's talking about the people. And what we can gather from Jesus' words here when he says, I will build my church. Church is not a building. Okay, you didn't come to church this morning. You came to be with the church because the church is the people. It's not a service. All right, so it's, it's not a, a building. It's not a service. It's not the individual. It's the community of a specific People, church is not you listening to a sermon on a podcast in your bed at night. That's not the church. Church is not you by yourself listening or watching a message or a church service online streamed. That's not the church. That's just you watching a message online streamed or you listening to a podcast. That's all that is. Because church is people. It's the community. It's the together. All in together. That's the church. Those things aren't bad. (laughs) Okay, those are good for your own soul and growth in Jesus, but that's not the church. The church is the people, a specific people, 
And if I had to define it based upon Scripture and what we see and read in the New Testament, I would define the church this way. It's a specific people. It's the total number or the whole community. It's a long definition, trying to get a lot in there. The total number of the whole community of those Jesus has called out who by faith in His death and resurrection are right with God and have received new life in Him. It's those people that Jesus has called out. They've repented of their sins. They're trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. And now they're living out the mission that Jesus has called them to live because of the new life they've received in Him. So that's the church. It's a specific people. Now this church, this whole community, we see expressed in three forms in the first century. And go with me to the book of Colossians because I think we see these three expressions of the church in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you go to verse 18, the first expression of the church that we see in the first century and that we see all throughout Scripture and that the Bible teaches us is that the first expression is this global church, this universal church. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes and he says, referring to Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And by the church, he's talking about the total number. That's every disciple of Jesus, whether that disciple of Jesus lives in China, Cincinnati, um, Kentucky, Ohio, Colorado, Middle East, Europe, wherever. When he's saying Jesus is the head of the church, he's talking about there, the global church. That's every follower of Jesus, wherever that follower of Jesus may be. And it's talking about the whole community. And so what does this mean for you? This means that the moment you become a follower of Christ, the moment that Jesus saves you, you become part of, connected to this global community of Jesus. That's pretty crazy when you think about that. So the China, the, in China, the, those Christians, those disciples of Jesus that are worshiping there, somewhere in house churches, underground, you're connected to them, and they're connected to you. And Christians that maybe are, are worshiping Jesus, whether it be at Crossroads or, or High Point Baptist in Alexandria or up where my parents live at First Baptist Church in Otsego, Michigan, we're connected to those disciples there. That's the global church where there's a connection because of Jesus that you and I have with them. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're connected to this total community called the church, the global church. So what does that mean? It means it should matter to you then when you read reports of Christians, disciples of Jesus that are being persecuted for their faith around the world. You're connected to them and they're connected to you. That should matter to you. It should matter to me. And it also should matter when we hear reports of what God is doing in our city through other expressions of the church, what God is doing in our country and other parts of the world and how people are giving their lives to Jesus. That should get us excited because we're connected to them because we're part of this thing called the global church. But this global church, this total community of followers of Jesus has always been expressed locally. And this is another expression of the church that I think we see in Colossians. If you look in Chapter 1, verse 2, Paul is writing this, and he's writing it to a specific location, a specific local body of Christians, a local community of Christians. He says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So you have this local or regional church. And when you think of Jesus and the book of Revelation, he wrote letters to churches, and he addressed those letters locally. 
He said to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Sardis, to the church in Laodicea. There's this expression of the global church that's always lived out locally. Paul often wrote his letters to the church in Corinth. In Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, he says, to the church of the Thessalonians. So you have this global expression of the church that's always expressed locally. That's God's design. And you always see in the first century disciples of Jesus connecting with a local expression of other disciples of Jesus. You see that all throughout Scripture. So what's that mean for you? It means that not only are you a disciple of Jesus connected to the total community of disciples all over the world, but what it means is God intends for you as His follower to connect with a local expression of His church. That's been His intent from the very beginning. Because it's through that local body of Christians that you connect with, that you're all together, all in together with, where you live out the practices of Jesus. And so you have this global expression of church, and God intends for us to live out who we are as a church locally, as local expressions of who He is. Now, as a church, right now, as living church, we don't have a formal membership where you sign a paper or anything like that. It's not saying that we would never do that, but right now we don't have that. Right now, our heart is that, listen, we believe that your membership should be showed up in your, just show up in your heart and by your commitment, by your presence, by your serving, by your attitude. We, we see that throughout the first century. But the point is what Jesus is trying to say here, I think, through the first century churches. God's design is for every disciple of Jesus to be living out who Jesus is with a local body of Christians. And you need to be all in with the local church. Maybe we're not that church for you. That's okay. We're... We can't be the church for everybody. There's no way. We know all kinds of different churches for all kinds of different kinds of people. But the point is, you need to be connecting all in together with the local expression of the church. And we see that throughout the New Testament in the first century. But there's more. There's another expression that I think we have the global church that's expressed locally. But it doesn't just stay there. It gets even smaller. Go to chapter 4 of Colossians. Chapter 4. Verse 15, Paul comes to the end of his letter and he's kind of like, hey, tell this person hi for me, tell this person hi for me, tell this person hi. And then he comes to verse 15 of Colossians chapter 4 and he says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. The church in her house. Now he's addressed this letter to a local body. But now he's telling us, well, there's a church that happens to meet in Colossae, a church that meets in this woman's home. Now, I I won't ask you to turn there, but there's another letter that Paul wrote. It was written to a man named Philemon or Philemon. And at the very beginning of that letter, Paul addresses it to this guy Philemon and to the church that meets in your house. Well, where did Philemon live? He lived in Colossae. So what that tells me is Nympha had a house church in Colossae and Philemon had a house church in Colossae. So you've got this network of house churches, this network of smaller gatherings underneath the banner of the local church. So when you think of living church, living church is really a network of house churches we call living communities. Where does that come from? Where did we get that from? The first century. The scriptures. That's why we do what we do here at Living Church. And so you have this network of living communities, of house churches, smaller gatherings, and that's how we express this smaller gathering through house churches. So you have this global church, 
total community of followers of Jesus, expressing locally, then expressing even smaller in these smaller gatherings that met in homes. And that's where it's designed for you to be in this intimate group of people where you're living out the the, the practices of Jesus as you follow him as a disciple. So that's the church. That's how it's expressed. So why bother? Why bother? Why be all in? Next Monday is the three-month anniversary of the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA championship. Now, those of you that know me, you know that I'm a diehard Cleveland sports fan. Always been from before I came out of the womb, I'm sure. And so three months, in a week, it'll be three months since their NBA championship. And one of their slogans, right, one of the things that rallied them together was this, this theme of being all in. All in. And there's this commercial of, of, of LeBron James, right, with the team on the court, and, and they've got their hands in there like, all in, together, all in, together, right? So, yeah, I'm definitely promoting the Cavs through this stuff on your seats, okay? So, so they're all in together. This shows a whole city of Cleveland, and they're just leaning and putting their arms all in together. And that's the church. All in together. So why bother? Why bother? I want to give you quickly five reasons why I think we can be all in together when it comes to church, the people, what God is building. And the first reason is because God is all in with the church. God is all in with his people and he's all in. So we're all in together. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. All right. He reaches out to this guy named Abraham. And what's he tell Abraham? Hey, man, I'm just about you, bro. It's just you and me. Just me and you and our little relationship together, one-on-one. No. Uh-uh. He says, hey, Abraham, I want you to go because I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. Nation. Working with the individual. Why? Because God is doing something with his people. God is always about his people. Think about any individual Bible story that you know. Any. Any one of them. I guarantee you, in some way, it's connected to what God is doing with his people, corporately. Always. Always connected. It doesn't mean that what God is doing with the individual is meaningless. No. But listen, when you look at scripture, when you look at what God does with the individual, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's people. Think about the Apostle Paul. Jesus shows up, knocks Paul off his horse. Jesus says, listen, I'm calling you out. You're going to be a missionary for me because I have a job for you to do for my people, Gentiles, to bring them, to bring them into my family. Abraham, you're going to be a father of Israel. Moses, calling you out from this burning bush because I need you to go free my people. David, my people need a king, so I'm raising you up to be a king. Even Peter, last thing, one of the last things Jesus says to Peter before he goes away is what? Feed my sheep. It's always about God's people. Listen, God did not save you just for you. (laughs) He didn't save you just for you. It's not just your personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, that's there. That is a part of it. But that's not all of it. God rescued you from sin because he has something he wants to do in you for his people. That's why you bother with the church. You bother with the church, and if you don't bother with the church, you are missing out on what God wants to do in you for his people. That's why you bother. God is all in with his people. All in. And because God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's all in together. And we need to be all in together. You cannot be about God without being about his church. 
God wants to do something in you, through you, and for you. And I guarantee you, it is always tied and always connected to what he's wanting to do in and for and through his people. Why bother with the church? Because God is all in second. Why bother with the church? Because Jesus. I know Jesus is God, okay? But go with me on this, okay? God is all in. I know that. But I'm focusing in here on God the Son, right? So hang with. Jesus is all in, and we're all in together. Jesus loves the church. He's built... Who is Jesus building? He's building, his, he's building the church. I remember when one of our, our sons, when he was little, or smaller, younger, um, they're bigger now, when he was really into Legos. And he had this huge thing of Legos. And he would spend hours, hours building these Legos, man. Just hours. And he would come down. He'd be like, Dad, Dad, check out what I built. He'd just be totally pumped. He'd be so excited. He loved what he was building. And he wanted to show everybody what he was building. That's Jesus with the church. Jesus is building the church. And he loves what he's building. And he wants to show off to everybody what he's building. He's building his people. Jesus is all in. So when it comes to who is Jesus building? Jesus is building the church, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it was read earlier, but it talks about how the church of God, right? He's building it, which he obtained with his own blood. Listen, the church is who Jesus is building and the church is who Jesus bought. And the going price for you and me was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ's own life on the, on the cross. That was the going price for the church. So you want the church? It's going to cost you your life. Jesus says, I'm all in. I am all in. I love them. And I'm going all in for those people because I love them. They're messed up. They're crazy. They're imperfect. They can't get along with each other. But I love them anyway. And I'm going all in. That's how much I love the church. You know the depth of someone's love by how much they're willing to sacrifice to be with you. We can never question Jesus' love for the church because of the sacrifice he gave for us to be with him. He loves the church. The church is who he's building. The church is who he bought. And then in Acts chapter 9, and you can go there, Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. The church is also who Jesus identifies with. It's who he identifies with. Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. Remember Paul, right? He gets knocked off the horse. Paul was persecuting Christians. And he was put it, throwing them in jail. Look at what Jesus says. What's Jesus say? Paul, you're persecuting Christians. You're persecuting the church. What's Paul say? You're persecuting me. <laughs> I love that about my Jesus. I love that. You mess with the church. You mess with Jesus. That's powerful. Why? Because he loves us. He's all in. All in on the church. So that means something to me. If the church is who Jesus identifies with, when I badmouth the church, I'm badmouthing him. But this also means this, that if you fail to serve the church, we fail to serve Jesus. But when you serve the church, you serve Jesus. And you can tell someone's love for Jesus by their commitment and love for his people. You can. You communicate. This might hurt some. Okay, so be ready. You communicate the importance of Jesus to your kids to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, by how you talk about Jesus' people and by your commitment to Jesus' people. I'm not just talking about showing up. I'm talking about your love for Jesus' people. You can't love Jesus without loving his church. Jesus is building the church. Jesus bought the church. He identifies with the church. Scripture even says it's his bride. Jesus married the church, right? 
He's committed to her. I remember I've had the opportunity to officiate several weddings. And there have been times when I get, oh, I get to stand by the groom right up front. And there have been moments when the groom is just like a blubbering mess. He's just weeping, right? I mean, the door opens and his bride, he sees her standing there. And he's just sobbing, right? He's just so an emotional mess. He's so in love, right? That's Jesus with the church. He loves the church. Jesus loves the first century church, second century 16th century, 21st century church. So why bother with the church? If you love Jesus, you're going to have to bother with the church because he loves it. <laughs> he loves us. Third, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why bother with the church? Because you are designed to be all in with the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes to this church and he gives this analogy of, of the physical body. And he says this in verse 14 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. It's kind of like this, right? My hand is designed to be connected to my arm. If I take my hand away from my arm, it really uh, limits what my hand can do, right? It's designed to go here. It's designed to go here. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're designed to be connected to his church. You're designed. He's got a purpose for why he has connected you to his people. And someone said this, there's no healthy relationship with Jesus without a relationship to the church. Right? You can't say, well, I don't need the church. Yes, you do. You're designed to need the church. You need the people of Jesus to fulfill what Jesus has called you and saved you to be and to do for his name. You're designed to be all in. He's designed you that way. And if you're not sharing life with the church, you are stunting your growth as a follower of Jesus. You just are because you're designed to be with his people. You're designed to be all in. Fourth reason, the church is all in and we're all in together. Go back to the analogy. If you use the same analogy, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, well, he says this in verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? What's his point? His point is, listen, the church needs every person, every disciple of Jesus. The church needs you, needs you specifically. You're like, I don't know what I have to offer. Yeah, you have a ton to offer. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has made you his follower primarily or one of the reasons is because he has a purpose for you for his people. You need to be all in because the church needs you needs you to, to your gifts, your abilities, your mind, the way you think, just your, your sacrifice, your stuff. <laughs> needs your stuff. Sorry, it's Acts 4, all in together. The church needs you to be all in. And if you're not all in, let's say you're the hand and you're not all in, dude, it becomes hard. To just do the mission. It just becomes more difficult. It's like I was thinking, you know, today's the first Sunday of football, right? Cleveland Browns, RG3, new season. Pray for us. Um, just pray. And I was kind of like thinking like this. It's like the center, right? And some, if you don't know football, 
check out for a little bit. So it, it's, it's like the center. His job is to hike the football to the guy behind him, which is the quarterback. That's his job. Now, if the center of the, of the team goes, dude, I'm, I'm not, man. Had a tough week. You guys make fun of me in the locker room. <sighs> Sheesh. You know, I'm not hiking the ball to you. Forget it. We're not doing this thing. What? Are you serious? Dude, hike me the ball. If he doesn't do his job, everything shuts down. Or we got to get, like, wide receiver coming in, and he's got to do that. But he's not gifted to do that. He'll do it, but that's not what he's good at. That's not what he's trained to do. And so now we got to get somebody else to pick up this job because this guy isn't willing to do his job for the team. The church is designed to need you specifically to do what God has gifted you to do so we can praise Jesus, we can bring glory to Jesus in our city and around the world and make disciples of Jesus all over. We need you And listen, if we're not the church for you, then go to another local church, another local expression, and jump in because they need you. (laughs) The church is all in. Bother with the church. We're more effective with you. We accomplish the mission better with you. We need you. And finally, last reason. Why be all in with the church? Because heaven is all in. Dude, this gets me jazzed. Heaven is all in with the church. Check this verse out. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This should blow you away. Just let it, I mean, just, if it doesn't, it doesn't. (laughs) Ephesians 3. This is so cool. All right. There's so much more going on than what you and I see right now when the church gathers or when the church serves or when the church loves. Ephesians chapter 3, pick it up in verse 9, talking about the church. And it says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold, that's multifaceted, that's not like a car part, that's like multifaceted wisdom of God, so that the church this crazy, amazing wisdom of God might now be made known where and to whom? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Check this out. What is going on in heaven right now is like all of heaven is like looking down on the church. And they're going, God, why do you love these people? (laughs) They're all so different and crazy. Sometimes they don't get along, you know, and all the... God, you're amazing that you would give up your own son so that they could be with you. That is crazy. You are amazing, God. And then they're looking down going, oh, it's Sunday morning, right? Or maybe Friday night at that living community, wherever it might be, whether it be Taylor Mill or Mount Auburn. Oh, and then Saturday night, you got this living community going. And angels are going, dude, guys, turn on the TV. We got like Southeast Cincinnati living community going on. Turn it on. Let's watch these guys worship. Yeah, look at what they're getting in the word. God, you're amazing. That's crazy. Pull out the popcorn, right? All the, I mean, it's just like, are you serious, God? And you love them? That's amazing. They, they must love you like crazy the way they're like just serving their neighbors and loving people. Heaven is all in on the church. That's awesome. That is awesome. And they look at it and they go, God, your grace is amazing. Your grace is amazing. And the church's theme song is because of Christ alone. It's in him alone, the power of Christ in me. But I want you to think about the church this morning, global, local, 
smaller gathering house. I want you to think about bothering with the church. Listen, so when you are with the church or when you go serve with the church or when you just give up your stuff for the church or whatever it might be, man, that's one of the highest callings you could ever be a part of. God is all in and he's all in together. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all in and they're all in together. You're designed to be all in. The church needs you to be all in. The church is designed for you to be all in. And all, all of heaven is all in. There's so much more than just I'm going to church today. Oh, so much more. I'm going to go serve somebody in the church. I'm giving up my stuff for this person. Yes, Jesus. That's what we're, we're designed for that. Designed. Why bother with the church? Why not bother with the church? Why not be all in and all together? So last question. So what do you, what's all this mean? What, does, what do you do next? I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come as we close here in a minute. What do you do next? Right? You see that card right there that's in front of you? All in together. You're going, okay, I, I don't know what this looks like for me. I'm not sure. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Let me give you some examples of what all in can look like, right? Man, be all in with your worship, personally and corporately. Be all in with who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Be all in with that when you sing. Be all in when you pray. Be all in when you, when you spend time in the scriptures. Whether it's Sunday, whether it's in your home, whether it's during the week, wherever you are with the church. Be all in. Be all in with your witness. Be all in with your presence. It's hard to live out your purpose and be who Jesus has called you to be as his follower if you're not present with his people. Maybe it's just simply praying for the church. Maybe it's, you need to be all in with your stuff. You know what? Maybe you just like, it's not yours anyways. Be all in. Maybe it's like, you know what? We've talked about serving. We've talked about getting involved with our living community. Maybe we need to host, whatever it is. I don't know. What's all in look like for you? Sometime today, I want you to answer that question. What's all in? Maybe it's like, we've been talking about going to a house church, living community thing, but we just haven't really made, listen, all in for your own benefit as well as for the benefit and mission of the church. Be all in. But I want you to go, you see that card there, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. If I could sum it up this way, the first century church was all in together. Why? Check it out. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to who? The resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus. Of Jesus. Jesus is worth it. The resurrected, exalted King Jesus is worth it. Why were they all in? Because of Jesus. Because of who he is and what he had done for them. Jesus went all in so that you could be a part of his people. All in together. Let's stand. And as we sing this song, let's sing this as, as this anthem, if you will, of the reason why we live, the reason for why we give, the reason for why we serve, the reason for why we sing, the reason for why we go and we love our neighbors, because it is the power of Christ in us. It is the resurrected Jesus all in together. Well, thanks for being here with us this morning, everybody. You know, as I was listening to Mark talk this morning and just thinking about the church, one of the things that really hit me, it wasn't any particular thing that he said, but I know a lot of us in here, I think especially those of us that maybe grew up in the church or have been part of the church for a long time or especially susceptible to this. But 
Um, you know, I was thinking it's, it's really easy for us to get excited about Jesus, to get excited, you know, Easter time, there's these amazing services or something we get excited about. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's you go out and do a, a mission trip and you get pumped. Or you, you go to a concert and it just really fires you up for Jesus. And those things are all good. Those are all awesome things. But I think that the thing that, was, that struck me is that how often do we get excited about the local church? I mean, that, that's the one thing that Jesus left after his resurrection, that he said, this is the hope of the world. Not conferences, not mission trips, not, not anything like that. He said the local church is what he was going to build. And so how excited do we get together with the church, to, to be with the church, to, to serve with the church? I think that's something we need to constantly remind ourselves of. So as we go this, uh, this week, I just want to read this verse from 2 Corinthians. It says, Church, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You guys have a great week.